Hello, and welcome back to your favorite storytelling podcast, Tales from a Cult Insider. I am your insider, your host, your chief storyteller, and happy ice cream eater, and cake eater extraordinaire, Jared Garrett. I sound worse than I am, guys. I think I had bronchitis for about a week or two. Uh, looks like I'm pretty well on the mend. I'm feeling pretty good. Didn't wake up feeling like uh, death was trying to slay me or take me from my bed or anything like that. I'm feeling all right. So, uh, just as a quick recap, I was born and raised in the Process Church of the Final Judgment, which was one of the more infamous cults here in the U- in the USA and also in the UK. It started in the UK at Oxford. The cult morphed over the years into Best Friends Animal Society, which it is not a cult anymore. And I'm here to just tell you about growing up in this somewhat strange, fairly secretive religious commune. <clears throat> I've mentioned before that it splintered off of Scientology. It was hard to identify as Scientologist by the time I was old enough to really pay attention to what was going on around me. And so the Scientology label is accurate, but just not really the experience I had. Although some of the practices, uh, especially in treatment of members, kids, and families, uh, were, um, they're, they're pretty accurate. Sorry for the phone alert. I'll turn that off to make sure you don't hear that again. As always, your questions will be answered. So I encourage you, ask. You can contact me at jared at jaredgarrett.com with those comments, questions, I do speaking engagements. They tend to be pretty funny and certainly inspiring. You can reach me at the same email address to chat or set up anything like that. Uh, And if you send me questions like last episode, um, I'm happy to answer your questions uh, here on the podcast. No questions outstanding right now, which is kind of a nice thing. So we'll get right into our episode. This is episode seven. It's called Dallas Angry Beans. Yeah, no uh, punctuation or anything like that. This is This is just Dallas Angry Beans. Okay, so why is it called Dallas Angry Beans? It's a good question. It's a question that I have a good answer for. And really, it's a a huge, um, I don't really know the right word, I think. It's kind of a red letter moment. It's a big milestone moment, although it's not a thing I achieved in order to um, get to a higher level or anything. But something very important happened in Dallas and with anger and to do with beans that really informed my life for a long, long time afterward. So let me set this up and we'll tell the story today. So as you know, growing up in a cult, I was separated from my parents because that was how um, the cult worked. It's also a very Scientologist thing. And, you know, I moved around the the, the branches several times. Uh, There were several branches, Dallas, San Antonio, Denver, Vegas, uh, some of those morphed into other ones, and some were subsu- or consumed by others and stuff. It, it was just kind of a, an ongoing evolution of cult branches. There was always a culture and an expectation of fairly regular moving. The one place I moved one time, or didn't move from, f- for a while, was uh, Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Quakertown was, man, what a beautiful place we lived in. We lived in this land, this kind of property that where, where, where the house was at the top of a, a nice rise, a hill, with a with a driveway that came through trees, those beautiful beautiful firs, those conifers out there and stuff, I believe it's conifers and so, you know all the deciduous and stuff, the maple tree, trees and stuff that lined this 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 driveway. You would come out of the driveway out of the shadow of those trees, and you'd you'd see this fairly large hill at the top of a bit or fairly large house in the, at the top of a hill, and stretching down as you're going towards the house on the driveway down towards the right uh, was a was a low sloping hill 
that led to a really nice little pond surrounded by trees. The pond would freeze over. It was great. But that was the, that was Quakertown. I was there for like a, a year and a half and, and loved it there. Uh, definitely my favorite place that I lived growing up. Uh, lots of nice memories. That's where my oldest brother left left from when, when he did leave. Um, but there was always the expectation that there was going to be moving. Always. That was always a, a part of growing up in the cult. Um, in, in the moving that we did, I went to Dallas one time uh, for a short time. Um, that's where it seemed like the kids were ending up, it looked like. But I was only there for not, like a year, if, if not less. Went to Denver after that. Uh, purportedly to kind of spend some time with my dad, who happened to live in Denver at the time. But he left Denver within a few months. Um, and it turned out that my dad was actually doing his very best to um, to be in my life, to be near me, to be with me, to spend time with me. And so really strong props to him because um, I'm sure that made a difference to me in my life. I have no, I have no doubt about it. Um, I, I wish that it had worked more, uh, but that's not for his lack of trying. So thank you, Dad, for that. Um, really strong things. Uh, when I was in f uh, third grade, moved to Denver and finished third grade there. Uh, did all of fourth grade at a new school after we moved in Denver to a another place called Arvada. The school was called Vanderhoof Elementary. Did my fourth grade year there. And as the fourth grade year was ending, I was telling all my friends, because I made friends, you know, I wasn't a complete screw up. Um, hey, guys, I it's been... I, I'm going to be gone. There's no way I'm still going to be here come next school year. I've never been in, in the same school for two years in a row, ever, and I hadn't been. Of course, I was only in fourth grade. Um, but in some school, I, I mean, I was in two or three different schools for grade two um, and two or three for grade three as well. So um, I guess I'll see you guys later. Good luck. It's been it's been great knowing you. And so that was how I prepared myself to move during the summer because that happened a lot. Lo and behold... The, the, fifth, the fifth grade year rolls around and I'm still in Dallas, still in the same place. And I'm about to go to the same school. I was just thrown. So I show up for school and people are like, Jared, you said you'd, move, you'd be moving. And I was like, I totally thought I would, but I didn't move. Uh, it was so great. Like, guys, those of you who, who didn't move every school year or even more often or slightly less often, man, you should have told me what I was missing. I had no idea. There were people I knew. I wasn't the new guy. It was really cool. It was cool to have somebody new come to school and me, me know, you know, kind of the ropes, be able to even help them out if needed. It was really nice. And I had some friends already there who were warm and kind and welcoming. And fifth grade was great. It was in one of the um, one of the buildings just outside of the, the, the main building at Vanderhoof. Uh, those buildings are still there. I visited Vanderhoof. Oh, eight, eight, nine years ago, I think. Man, not, not, not that long ago. Some time ago. And that was really cool. But uh, yeah, fifth grade was in one of those buildings. And my teacher was really sweet. She read to us aloud, which was wonderful. I loved it. Um, my friends were there. I got a crush on a girl named Brenda. Hey, Brenda, what's up? I forget your last name. And um, man, life was better than I ever thought it could be because of that. Even, even better than Quakertown because of that stability. That tells me a lot, doesn't it? Uh, but then I got word after one month there at, uh, during fifth grade year that it was time for me to move to Dallas. Now, we'd been hearing about faith school, a school that the foundation had, the foundation faith of God is what it was called at the time, after being called the Process Church of the Final Judgment, um, that the foundation had been creating a, a school called Faith School, and it was in Dallas, and Dallas was being run by Lucia, a, a famously insane person, um, 
and that eventually all the kids would wind up at faith school. My time had come, um, which was interesting because I, I lived in Denver with several other, with a couple of other, other boys my age, and they didn't go with me. I was moved by myself. It's so weird. There was no real rhyme or reason that I could see, and I still can't see it from now, from this age. Um, so I really don't know why I was moved to Dallas when I was, but I was. I was infuriated. I was hurt uh, deeply. I was just, I was, I grieved immensely the, the, the news and was not at all excited about it. I was so angry and so sad, and my friends made it even harder, although they also made it wonderful. Um, when I was checked out uh, on my last day at school, when I was checked out to go do some final uh, stuff like paperwork or whatever at the office, I then went back to my room, the school, the school room, which was basically its own little building there at, at Vanderhoof. And um, the teacher said, it looks like you left a paper on your desk. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't. <laughs> but it turned out I hadn't. It turned out my friends and the whole class had written on this bu- this little piece of paper, these sweet little notes, and glued a little piece of candy or taped a little piece of candy and stuff onto the note. Guys, that I never, ever, ever... I stress this. It was important. I never had anybody do anything remotely like that. Having someone be thoughtful about me, having someone be caring about me, it was, I I, I cried pretty hard. Um, I was able to hold it in there in the room, but as, as I left that room, I burst into tears. Quiet, those deep, quiet sobs that just shake everything from your core on out, that make your chest want to crack open. It was just this most moving experience I'd ever experienced in my whole life at that point. It's such a huge moment for me to have had somebody actually care about me enough to go some and do some effort for me, some real effort that I can see as effort for me, where they love me, or that at least they care for me. And so thank you to those friends at Vanderhoof for giving me little Jared, insecure Jared, needy, needy Jared, that that moment of grace and beauty and friendship and kindness and thoughtfulness. And I arrived in Dallas infuriated. Guys, when I say infuriated, hopefully you see a 10-year-old boy who is about, the, about average height, a little maybe a teeny bit short for his age, who's in pretty okay shape. You know, he's, he's just your average-sized, average-looking 10-year-old boy with pretty hilarious hair. Remember, this is 1984, okay? The 80s, hair was not a thing. It's a, Or hair was hair was a thing. Oh, boy, hair sure was a thing. But fashion was never a thing uh, in the cult, and um, it was even less of a thing for me. I didn't really care. I just got my hair cut whenever I needed it cut, whenever it was in my eyes or something. And so um, <clears throat> it was pretty big hair. Uh, basically, your bowl cut with some nice curly cues when it got long that would stick out my from my neck. It was fun. So imagine that average size ten year old with kind of little darker than than, than kind of wheat golden hair, not blonde, still brown, um, blue eyes, round cheeks, uh, wearing jeans and a tucked in uh, short sleeve shirt, and uh, boy, I do the fashion faux pas, friends, and uh, just seething. This little guy, this package of seething fury at having been 
ripped from a first time ever stable situation from this experience with friends i was just livid there's no other way to describe how livid i was so i arrived in dallas it was the evening was driven there from denver i forget who drove me was dropped off in the parking in the driveway of dallas um and uh one of the Kirk, the girls there at in dallas my age-ish uh, named Asta, came out to greet me. I think she was even sent out as like the official greeting committee or something like that. She says, hi, Jared. And Asta is just this effervescent girl and an effervescent woman. She's a good, hardworking, sweet, thoughtful person. Um, and she just was very sweet to me. I was so angry already, just so angry. And not at her, though. And I knew I shouldn't be angry at her. So, But I, it, it made me awkward. I didn't know how to say anything. So I just put up one hand as if I were some Native American and said, how? What the crap is that, Jared? That's all I had for her was how. She's like, oh, we like Indians. I'm like, yeah, I really like Indians. Terrible. Boy, I tell you what, boy, Jared was a mess. So um, I was furious about going to Dallas. And that's a big part of this milestone experience was suddenly anger. Anger became me. Anger became what I felt almost all the time. Bitterness, fury, seething, anger that was always there with me. Just anger at the injustice of my life. Anger at my lack of stability, at the, my lack of experience, my ex good experiences, my lack of family. Anger at my, my complete lack of control over anything in my life, um, which I would soon discover was not necessarily the case. My internal life being my most important life. I had all control over, so that was nice to discover that eventually. But for now, little 10-year-old Jared was furious. And I was to start faith school, uh, I believe it was the next day. Because I got there like on a Saturday or a Sunday, so it was going to start on Monday. And so, <clears throat> started faith school the next day. I uh, was in a small classroom in the faith school building. Um, and there were, boy, so I was in fifth grade. Uh, there were several other kids in my age, uh, and there would be another one or two arriving uh, that were my age. But uh, Asta was one of them my age, and uh, I believe Isaac wasn't quite yet there. Maybe he was, but I think I think I, he was not yet there. Uh, Mark wasn't there. He was in Denver with me. He would follow me. And Manuel was definitely in Denver. He would follow me later as well. Uh, Manuel, his parents, Ann and Cyrus, they were leaders of the, of the Denver branch, so they got to keep him longer. But eventually they had to give in and send their, their son as well over to faith school. So we're in this classroom with our grade and I think a couple kids of grades a little lower than us as well. Because there were four or five people in there. Our teacher was Bridget and she was sweet and good um, and she expected us to work. We got a lot of worksheets and talked about stuff and I just did not pay attention. Didn't care. Never turned in any of the worksheets. Never did any of the homework because I was like, I do not care. These people don't care about me, and I don't care about them, and I don't care about this school, so screw it. And so I didn't do any of the homework at all. Uh, and after a couple weeks of this, Bridget's like, well, Jared, you need to do your homework. And uh, I said, okay, and continued to not. And uh, finally, I, after a few weeks, probably I would say a month or two, long enough for me to um, gain a total and utter uh, disdain for Lucia and her insanity, her sociopathy, um, the way she would just call people out and just yell at them in the middle of 
everybody else, so everybody could see. It was just this public shaming that she would do. She was she would just be just obnoxious with how much power she had over people. Um, so long enough for me to just really dislike her a lot. Uh, long enough for me to um, be settled into my, my room and stuff. Um, and Lucia calls me over one day after school. So the houses there in Dallas, <clears throat> there were several. Let's just do a quick thing, and then we'll get back to Lucia calling me over. Um, she, so so the, the houses in Dallas, there were several houses. It's, this was the more, the most financially stable uh, of the branches because Lucia worked those those fundraising adults just to the bone. Uh, there were two houses right on Swiss Avenue, right next to each other. They shared a driveway, and then there was a house uh, where all the boys lived. And then a few uh, a few adults lived out there. Not many, maybe just one actually, Jonathan. And that was on Dickinson Avenue uh, near Turtle Creek Boulevard and uh, Lemon Avenue. Um, and then there was also a house in, on Bowser Street, which is where we went to school. And then eventually there was also a house um, just down Swissmore, uh, that, which is where we went to our Sunday celebrations. It was kind of the official headquarters of, of, of the foundation there in Dallas. Um, so I lived in, in Swiss at the time. And so Lucia calls me over from the house across the driveway. <clears throat> and I go over and talk to her. And she is, she, she she does her best to encourage me to do homework. And I'm like, well, no, I don't really feel like it. Uh, well, I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. And then she she had a, she had was able to see that I was not paying any attention to her. And so um, I uh, pissed her off. <laughs> and she said, well, Jared, you better go to your room. Uh, and, and you stay there until I tell you, you can come out. I'm like, okay. So I went over, you know, being sent to my room was not a problem for my friends. Um, I was a heavy reader, just a heavy, heavy reader. Uh, books saved my life. I've talked about this. I talked about this specifically in Excelsior, the last episode. Stories were my sanity savers. They were my grounders. They were my imagination broadeners. They were my comfort, my world, my safety. They were everything to me. I read all the time. So being sent to my room without any, without being, without being able to leave my room was like, well, great. I can just sit here and read. Adults can't come get me to get me to do work. They can come to the door and say, Jared, you need to come help do something. And I can say, uh, Lucia sent me to my room. She says I have to stay here. Um, so that was fantastic. So I just went and read. Uh, and so after a few hours, uh, dinner came and gone, as far as I could tell from the time, um, Lucia showed up. Now, Lucia, like I said, I'd had enough time to get to know her. Plus, I'd lived in Dallas sometime before, just a short time. But it was it's, it's easily enough for, you to, for, for me, even as a kid, to gain a really clear picture of, of who she was. Who she was was angry. Um, as far as I knew then and as far as I know now, she felt unfulfilled in her potential. She felt like her wings were never able to fly, able to unfurl and help her fly wherever. She was always seeking some bigger and more interesting, crazy thing that she could do. Uh, to the point of, like, trying to seek out Yasser freaking Arafat of the Palestinian, Palestinian Liberation Organization. To try to help broker peace. What the crap, right? But she was very sympathetic to the Palestinian uh, side. And that was helpful for me because, I, you know, being able to at least see... The people, the humanity on both sides was really helpful. So in any case, but that's the one good thing. She was crazy. She 
didn't care how angry she got. She didn't care how off the handle she, how high off the handle she would fly. She would go nuts and scream at you and yell at you right in front of everybody else. And when she got mad at one kid, usually all the kids ended up in a row right in front of her while she harangued all of us for something that some other kid had done or something that she thought that she'd seen the other kid do. Like not pull her socks up. I'm not kidding. Not pull your socks up. Or somehow she could tell that conditioner hadn't been rinsed properly from the hair. So she would yell at us to rinse our conditioner from our hair better. Yell at us. Not coach us. Not say, hey, it, it looks like you're not using your conditioner right. Let's talk about that quietly in a private space. But yell at 10, 12 kids who were standing in a row in front of her. At attention, by the way. We were told to stand at attention. We had attention and e at ease. I kid you not. Stand at attention. And that was stand at, you know, head, head high, shoulders uh, back, uh, chest forward with your hands right down next to your seam. And that was that. For, for real. Stand at attention. So... She didn't like me as far as I knew. I didn't think she liked anybody. Although she doted on her girls, uh, uh, Vanessa and uh, Johanna. <clears throat> I wasn't sure she liked them. She just doted on them. So um, she showed up at my door. Didn't knock, of course. Why would she knock? This is all hers. Uh, and uh, anything she could do to show power, to wield power, to make sure a person knows that they're subservient to her, she would do it uh, to make sure that just... I don't know what she was doing. I really don't get it. It was obviously all a, a great big ego rub for her. She showed up, plate of baked beans with hot dogs on it uh, in her hands and says, Jared, we need to talk. And so here's Lucia, the woman who I dislike very much, who has harangued me pointlessly already several times in the few weeks, you know, five or six weeks I've been there who clearly doesn't like me, who clearly doesn't like her own life, who who beats the crap out of verbally everybody that she comes in contact with, showing up as if she's going to have some heart-to-heart -heart with me, like a mom or something. And so, you know, you know, you okay, credit given, you know, maybe she really for a minute wanted that. She had a sincere desire to be a nurturer or something like that. But boy, howdy, she failed immediately. Here, I brought you some dinner. And I, th I think you should eat it, but we need to talk about, you know, your attitude and everything. And then she just launched into some lecture while handing me this plate of cold baked beans with hot dogs in it. Number one, I wasn't a big fan of beans at the time. Number two, I never liked baked beans. The only good baked beans are baked beans from a barbecue restaurant somewhere in Austin or, or some other parts of Texas. That's the only kind of good baked beans I've ever had. Number three... Hot dogs have never been my favorite. At the time, I still ate them, but I stopped eating them many, many years later. I don't eat hot dogs anymore at all. But there was always a thing in me that didn't much like hot dogs. But these were also cold and congealed, and it was unpleasant. It was, like, demonstrably cold. Obviously, cold is just the absence of heat. This was demonstrably absent of heat, uncontaminated by heat. And so she expected me to take these bites while she lectured at me. Guys, you're like, but she must be trying. No, if she were trying, she would ask me a couple of questions. She would listen. That's what a nurturer does is they listen and they get to know and they hear. They make sure the person they're trying to nurture feels seen, is seen, is heard, and is actually important, make, feels important in their eyes. That's what nurturing, that's a huge part of nurturing. It's the foundation of nurturing. So, but her version was lecture that it got increasingly shrill and angry, and then 
she got angry at me for being ungrateful about my dinner and not eating it. How she brought it all up for me. She saved it for me. She brought it up for me. She made all that effort and she wasn't even going to eat it. Well, I could stay in my room all night. Uh, and I had to have that thing finished by the end of the night, by, by morning. And I was like, great. So that was good times. Um, so here we have seething Jared, hot with fury most of the time, sent to his room to read. This nurture version of Lucia, who was not nurturing, comes up and tells me I have to eat all these things after shrill, eat these terrible beans and hot dogs, after shrilly lecturing me and not really nurturing. And guess what I feel? But at, <clears throat> at the end, but at the end of this, before she even kind of signed off, she, I feel really seen and loved. I feel, you know, listened to. I don't feel any of those, of course. I feel ignored. I feel attacked. I feel like she has it in for me. Why would she have it in for me? Why does she treat me like an enemy is what I was wondering. And so this wasn't a very good experience. The worst thing is this. By the end of the conversation, she said, well, you better do your schoolwork um, unless you're not even able to. Unless you're... She basically implied that I was too stupid to succeed at school. Now, that's a hell no, my friends. Uh, imply that Jared is too stupid. I have some vanity, my friends. I've got a lot of it, and a lot of it's faded as I've grown older and realized that it doesn't matter a whole lot. But question my intelligence? Nope. Still have a problem with that. Yes, I do. So when she questioned my intelligence and my ability, just my ability to succeed, that was the end of that. So I got really mad there, and she left the room and left the dogs and told me I had to eat them by morning. I didn't, of course. I scraped them down the toilet and it looked like that's exactly where it belonged. Flushed it in the end. And starting the next day, I did all my schoolwork at school. I was infuriated. I was like, screw you, Lucia. Screw you and the hot dog you wrote in on. Watch this. Watch how stupid I am. Ha! And I did every piece of homework I could. I excelled in every single class that I took. And I was top of my class within a month, top of my class for the rest of my time at faith school, and graduated number two in high school, by the way. So, fury, that angry feeling, that anger that I felt that whole time in Dallas, those, those, those seven years there, carried me through. Anger is a negative emotion. It's not, actually. It's not. Demonstrating anger in a, a hurtful way is hurt. Is that's the negative part. But anger can be used in a productive way. And boy, did I use it. I used my anger to excel at school. I used my anger to teach, to, 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 to kind of find a place, uh, a destination, or even a, a different kind of journey for myself internally. I, I, I realized that my anger, I was letting my anger get the better of me and to, in, in, in treating people badly. But I didn't, I got angry at myself for that. And so that anger at myself for being such a lame brought me to Buddhism and meditation and uh, a much deeper calm that uh, I needed to be able to have to guide my life. And so I am grateful for the anger I felt. I'm grateful that it drove me to be incredibly successful at that school. Uh, it drove me to also still do really well in the one year of public high school I had. I'm grateful that Lucia was as awful as she was because it gave me an enemy, and um, this was a story. My, our lives are stories that we're telling. And having an enemy, who had set me up as an enemy before I set her up as an enemy. Now, I know that that still doesn't necessarily make it great, but guess what? That's how it worked. She set me up as an enemy, so I took her on as my nemesis. 
She was my archenemy, and so I would beat her. I'd beat her in every way. I'd beat her at my school. I'd beat her at the way she played games with people. I'd beat her at the way she talked to people and harangued us in front of all the kids. I would beat her in everything because my anger was going to teach me how. So that event of arriving in Dallas, being a furious ball of hilarious looking 10-year-old, kind of adorable looking 10-year-old, honestly, the picture of me on the, on the artwork, that's when I was about 16 or 17. I'd grown a little lanky by then, but before then I was a little bit round. It was cute. Um, that furious, cute ball turned into uh, accomplished, turned into focused, and it got me uh, moving in, in good directions. And so um, Dallas Angry Beans, my friends, that's the end of our episode today. The next one is called, it's episode eight, it's called Did We Not Have Rent Money? Uh, it's, it's a funny question. It explores some of, um, some of the, the, the nomadic nature of the cult uh, and such. And so I want to thank you guys for listening. I've been, how do you even put this, a little uh, thrown by the number of listens, by the number of subscribers, uh, by the response to this to this podcast so far. I really want to thank you for listening. Uh, it feels a little bit like um, I'm just kind of blurting and rambling. I hope that's not the case. I'd love to hear from you again, jared at jaredgarrett.com. That's the end of our episode today. Uh, hopefully you don't mind too much my sweet tones that have been somewhat affected by bronchitis. That's our half hour, guys. Uh, take care.